0: Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. We'll get you ready for the top high school football games in Lee and Collier counties each week with our analysis and predictions. Here are your hosts. The News Press' Adam Regan and the Naples Daily News'
1: Adam Fisher. Hello football fans and welcome back to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. We are back for week 7. Adam Fisher here with the Naples Daily News sitting across the table from Adam Regan of the Fort Myers News Press. Adam Regan, how you feeling?
2: Feeling good week 7. Let's do this, second half of the season.
1: Second half of the season. Today is October 1st, which is the meat of the football season. This is when uh, the the boys become men, so to speak.
2: When the cream rises to the top. When the cream rises to the top. All All those those cliches. cliches. Oh, jinx. Jinx, yeah.
1: So, second half of the season. We are in week seven, and I want to talk to you about uh, what you're looking out for, what teams you're looking for, uh, maybe what... Teams are on the rise in the second half. Just as we get towards that November first, which is the last week of the regular season, what what are you
2: keeping an eye on? What's intriguing you? As far as teams go, I think we're pretty set in Lee County. We know who the good teams are. Bishop Verroe, obviously. Dunbar, Fort Myers, South Fort Myers, Cypress Lake, I mean, if they've got C J Shedd, which they do, he got came back one from coming He, up this week, he came back about. from injury again and they've got them so I mean I think they're going to roll to a district championship and then you've got North Fort Myers always lurking I think they're one of the best teams in Lee County and then another team I'm really looking at is ECS they were buried by all of the critics you know they had all the transfers come in and they started the season two and three the rest of their schedule is soft let me tell you they've got St. John Newman this week, which we'll break down in the next segment, Community School of Naples, they play a big game at 5-0 Oasis, which I think that's the big game on their schedule. Then they play Zephyr Hills Christian Academy and Gateway Charter. I think the ECS is going to roll into the playoffs, and then really, you know, they're playing with house money. They're going to play in a very tough region with Champanat Catholic, Miami Christian, and those type of teams. But I think they're going to get in, and I think they're going to make some noise.
1: Yeah, you want to talk about schedules. I mean, that that's what I want to keep an eye on in Collier County, because There's so many teams so tightly jumbled, and I referenced it in our weekly power poll this week is that, you know, we know who the best team in Naples, in Collier County is. It's Naples High School. They put a thumping on Baron Collier, who we thought was number two. But then even if you throw Baron Collier in that mix, that two through, what, five or six slot, you got Baron Collier, Palmetto Ridge. Well, I'll throw Palmetto Ridge out because they're 0 5. Baron Collier, Laley, Golden Gate, Immokalee, Golf Coast. These are five teams that just are beating up on each other. You know, Golf Coast beat Golden Gate. Golden Gate beat Laylee, and then Laylee beat Golf Coast. I don't think Laylee beat Golf Coast. But then you throw Mockley in there, Mockley beats Golden Gate. So I'm intrigued to see who kind of rises out of there. It's going to be tough to make the playoffs. I don't want to call these teams mediocre, but they are kind of all middle in the pack, and if they're beating each other and you finish 6-4, and it's going to be tough to make the playoffs.
2: I think you can call them mediocre. I think that's a very mediocre district. I'm going to throw out Naples, like you said, but the rest of the teams, they're just very middling. I think only one team is going to make the playoffs from this particular district. Nobody really played a very strong schedule, and I think that's going to hurt them, especially when you're playing in a region which houses two South Florida regions in 15 and 16, and you're dealing with Miami Central, and Jesuit, Miami Norland, Dillard, Boyd Anderson, those type of teams. I think that they're going to take up all the playoff spots, and I think that possibly district 13 which is the lee county district will get two teams maybe fort myers and dunbar fort myers and north fort myers dunbar and north fort myers so i think things look pretty bleak for district 6a 14 i, I still think
1: baron collier can make the playoffs especially if they beat cypress lake golden gate's gonna have a decent record layley's gonna have a decent record And uh, Golf Coast, those are teams that they can beat that kind of bolster up your playoff chances. Let's remind folks, if you don't win a district championship, you're fighting with other teams for an at-large berth. The district runner-up does no longer get in automatically. So, Baron Collier's a team I think can get in. Teams I'm also looking at that the schedule kind of flows the other way. Layley has a tough schedule coming up, starting this week against a very good Lake Wales team. And then they still have to play Naples. They have to play at They have to play Baron Collier. And then they close the season at Port Orange Atlantic, who's ranked in five A, and that's a long, long road trip. So Laley, congrats on going four and one. That is fantastic.
2: And I just want to keep talking about Baron Collier. Yeah. I ahead. just think it's interesting. They have a big game this week at Cypress Lake, yeah. and that's gonna help them because Cypress Lake, what, they're five and one this season, and really there's only a couple games that Cypress Lake actually might lose on the rest of their schedule. So they're that opponent's schedule to help them. But playing Golden Gate at Palmetto Ridge, at Laley, at Gulf Coast. Those teams, like you said, are going to all beat up on each other, and they're not going to have great records. Their opponents aren't going to have great records. I just don't see it.
1: Well, a team I do want to mention that final week of the season, we got the Catfish Bowl, Baron Collier, at Gulf Coast. Gulf Coast has set them up to make a run at a district championship. They beat Riverdale pretty easily, surprisingly easy, and then they play a winless Northport team. And if they win, that sets up a district championship game between them and Laley. or, I'm sorry, Lehigh – On October 25th. So we had the Sharks kind of dead in the water after they had lost their starting quarterback. They lost three. That's right. You like that pun.
2: I see what you did there.
1: (laughs) They lost three in a row. They're 1-3 and looking bad. And now all of a sudden they could make the playoffs and host a playoff game. So good for the Sharks.
2: I think it's all about that Lehigh game on October 25th. And Lehigh is a team that really started its season playing some of the heavy hitters from all over the state, they got a big win over Northport, which isn't really saying much considering Northport <laughs> right. doesn't beat anybody, and they haven't beat anybody all season. But I guess that's a morale booster. Lehigh goes back to their non-district schedule with Charlotte. Yikes. Yeah. It's not really – I mean – that Riverdale-Lehigh game is going to be interesting. But I think at this point, Lehigh has more talent on the field than Riverdale has. And But that's always a rivalry game. It's called the I'm going to ring your bell game. Yeah, great name. And you kind of throw the records out uh, th- if you want to throw out more cliches there. <laughs> so I I think eventually it's going to come down to... Gulf Coast at Lehigh
1: and listen I was very impressed with Lehigh in that loss to Naples I mean you lose 23 to 7 to Naples and you only gave up two touchdowns to the Naples offense I mean Baron Collier lost 49 to 14 to Naples so um, I think Lehigh is a solid team that's going to be a great game it is at Lehigh on October 25th
2: well that's going to do it for our first segment and when we come back we're going to break down the biggest games of week seven
0: Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at naplesnews.com, news-press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and the News Press apps onto your mobile
2: devices. Welcome back to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. As we get into week seven, Fisher and I are going to break down some games. First, we'll start with the News Press game of the week. Dunbar at Fort Myers. Fort Myers. Big district matchup in 6A13. Fisher, I'm going to let you talk first about this game. Tell me what you know.
1: Well, these are two good teams. It is a district game, which it has not been for the past, what, four or five years, something like that? Right. So uh, Fort Myers is rolling now. They struggled a bit early, but they had another big win last year. I think that offense has gotten going. Dunbar, we know their defense is really good, but the past few weeks they've scored 38 points each of the past two weeks. Of course, that was against East Lee and a pretty good Baker team. Um, I just don't know if they can slow down this uh, Fort Myers offense that with Jesais Young back there. They're rolling.
2: I will say this about Dunbar. If any team has had Fort Myers number over the last 3 years, it's been Dunbar because Dunbar's won all 3 meetings. This game's usually played the last game of the season, but now it's district game. It's towards the middle of the season. Last year, I think Dunbar really put it on Fort Myers. You had outside linebacker Albert Nuñez in his defense really just manhandled the Green Wave. And I don't really see that changing much because this defense is still very good. The Tigers, in addition to Nunez, they've got a transfer from Tallahassee, Chris Thomas. He's committed to University of Florida. Look out for a feature on Chris Thomas coming up on Friday at news-press.com slash sports. But you're right about Fort Myers. Uh, that four-headed monster in the backfield has really been doing some damage And Island Coast, I thought they might be able to hang with Fort Myers, and they they really didn't. I mean, Fort Myers and Dunbar and North Fort Myers are clearly the class of that district, and I don't think anyone else is really going to challenge them. South Fort Myers has been pretty good this year, but I don't think they're really in the same class.
1: Let me ask you, how was uh, Fort Myers' defense?
2: Well, the defense is kind of a work in progress. I Mm -hmm. mean, they've, they've gotten stops when they've had to. I covered the South Fort Myers game, and in the third quarter, they started making some stops. I think that defense was really motivated by getting beat by Cypress Lake. I mean, Cypress Lake put 27 points on them, and CJ Shedd made that secondary look foolish. Granted, they were missing a couple of guys, but I think that really motivated them. So this could be a defensive struggle.
1: Well, I'm just looking at uh, Dunbar's offense, not a whole lot to speak of. I told you those 38 points, but they're only averaging they're less than 200 yards of offense a game. But, you know, I think your defense can put you in some good positions. You you get the ball in a short field, you're not going to get a lot of yards.
2: And Dunbar's offense really has changed since Seneca Millage graduated and went to the University of Virginia. He was their big play threat. Yeah. And I think that Dunbar has a couple of big play threats, but not quite on the level of Seneca-Millage. What's really going to happen here is Brandon Benjamin, the running back, is just going to try to wear down that Fort Myers offense. Last year, they gave him 26 carries, and he had 107 yards, and he really – really put a pounding on those guys up front on Fort Myers. And
1: he, he's carried the ball for about half of their attempts this year. So look out for Brandon Benjamin. A good old a uh, Collier-Lee showdown. This is an old district rivalry. When I uh, first came down here, Barron and Cypress Lake were in the same district. I don't think they've played in the, in the past couple years, but Barron-Collier at Cypress Lake, two of the kind of old-school programs in southwest Florida. Barron coming off a bye and coming off a loss so that to Naples, because so they haven't won in two weeks, Whereas Cypress Lake, uh, they've won a couple in a row, right?
2: Indeed, and we got kind of a surprise again. CJ Shedd really kind of pulled the wool over our eyes once again. Cypress Lake comes out against Estero, and CJ Shedd the previous week had re-aggravated that high ankle sprain against Bonita Springs, and we didn't think we were going to see him against Estero. Yeah, that, why would you? Why would you I was, need him against Estero? Yeah,
1: I, I was very surprised to see him out there because of the injury, and then against Estero, like you said, they could have won with their third string quarterback and, against Estero.
2: And of course, I mean, he only had to throw for 189 yards, but four touchdowns on the night, and that game was over before it really started.
1: Now let's look at Cypress Lake, man. Look at these point totals. After a season opening loss to Southport Myers, they won 46 to six. 27-25 over Fort Myers, very good. 63-7 over Cape Coral, 49-10 over Bonita Springs, 51 to nothing over Estero. Now those are a ton of points. What is that? Averaging 40, 45 points a game, probably more. But again, those are not the best teams in the area. East Lee, Cape Coral, Bonita Springs, Estero, what do they have? Three, four wins between them?
2: Indeed. And the thing about Cypress Lake is this Baron game is kind of sandwiched into their district schedule, which – that, that District 5A-13 really isn't that good. If Cyprus doesn't win this district, I mean, are they ever going to win a district is the question. So this they could possibly be looking ahead to their district game, and a team you really don't want to sleep on is Baron Collier. They did not look great
1: against Naples. They look great at times. The problem with Barron is, you know, they got those two great offensive weapons in quarterback Jason Grimes. They got some good receivers, running back Drew Powell. They are very young up front, completely new offensive line. They really got pushed around. They gave us some sacks, which caused some fumbles. That was the problem. They had a field goal block to turn for a touchdown, so they got to shore that up.
2: Let me ask you a hypothetical question. Please. Uh, and I don't really think it's that much of a hypothetical. Let's say Naples wins District 6A-14. Ooh, tough hypothetical question there. Okay. <laughs> is this a must-win for Baron Collier? This is the best game left on their schedule in terms of opponents' record and how Cypress Lake is really going to finish.
1: If they want to make the playoffs, it might be, because if you lose, even if you win out, you're 7-3, and three, but how many quality wins do you have? Palmetto Ridge is not going to finish with a good record. I think Golden Gate, Laley, Golf Ghost, all those guys are going to be around 500. So it's going to be very tough to make the playoffs if they don't win, and I think that's probably what Mark Jackson is telling his Cougars. They're saying, listen, it's playoffs are bust now, and we got to win. we got to get these playoff points. We'll find out next week where they stand, but they're probably attacking it that way.
2: Next game we have on the docket, St. John Newman at ECS. Now,
1: this is one you were really excited for coming in, right?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm super enthused. I, I, w- I definitely want to see what ECS brings to the table against a pretty decent opponent. Not as good as they were last year, though.
1: Now, a look behind the curtains, that was sarcasm because I suggested we break this game down, and Mr. Regan does not think it will be as close as I think it's going to be. Because I, Celtics fans, have faith in you. You've won two in a row. They are three and three. Um, I think it's going to be pretty decent. I think Newman is not a flashy team. They're not a sexy team. They don't, not like last year, they don't have a stud like Jensen Jones throwing up eight touchdowns a, a, a game, whereas ECS has gotten all the, uh, the look and the play and, and the media. You know, those mainstream media folk up here in Lee County, all they want to talk about is ECS. But we got Newman coming in, who's a good Cargill County small school team. I think it's going to
2: be a good game. I disagree with you. <laughs> Definitely disagree with you on this one. I know I get it that St. John Newman—they're on a two-game winning streak—but let's look at who they beat. Faith Christian out of Orlando—that's a three-three, three-and-three three mediocre team. And then they beat Lemon Bay. I'm sorry, that's not a good win at all. I mean, they beat them twenty to fourteen, too. I mean,
1: I said on last week's podcast, Lemon Bay is not great. I think they're winless, but they are a. Uh, a public school that's three times as big as Newman. I think that's a good win for them. It's not going to get you playoff points because it's not a good a team with a good record. But I think that is good for what Newman's trying to build down there, you know, kind of starting over this year without their star Jensen Jones from last year. I mean, I think they're gonna be ready for this one.
2: So Adam, tell me what kind of offense are they running this year?
1: They are kind of just running and throwing. I mean, <laughs> I haven't well, seen them specifically. It's more spread out. They got three, four guys that carry the ball. They don't throw a lot, but when they do, it, it's kind of uh, short passes that turn into big gains. They play good defense. That kind of uh, is where they hang their hat, you know, it's, it's hitting hard, being physical, being prepared every week.
2: You get why I'm asking that, though, because with Jensen, Jensen Jones was their offense right. last year, and he's gone. Yeah. So where are they getting their offense well, from? They got
1: Mike Joyce, a quarterback, who was there last year but did, didn't play quarterback or didn't play football. I'm not sure, but we've seen him before. And then, like I said, just a handful of guys. They're splitting it up. No one guy is dominating carries or anything, and they do have some uh, good two-way guys. So I'm looking forward to a good game.
2: Well, I don't think that they can score with ECS. I think ECS has just way too many weapons, and we keep forgetting that R.J. Rosales is the quarterback. I there. think
1: you're right. ECS does obviously have the edge on offense. That's where Newman's going to have to slow it down. They're going to have to rely on their defense. Now let's go down to Collier County, a non district game, but a fun one. Golf Coast at Palmetto Ridge. Palmetto Ridge, it, it's been a tough, tough year. You know, we've talked about the tragedy enough with uh, them losing quarterback Colby Singletary, but it's kind of carried over into the season. A lot of injuries have kind of dampened their spirits as well. They are 0-5, just cannot get going offensively, despite having two Division I players who play. You know, they're defensive guys, Malik Dudon and Kamonte Grimes, primarily defensive backs, but they do play some offense. Golf Coast is on a roll right now. They've scored 98 points in their past two games, coming off a big district win. This could be close because Palmetto Ridge plays a very good defense. They looked decent for a half against Naples. It's hard to slow down Naples. They did okay last week. Palmetto Ridge finally put up 17 points last week. However, no offensive touchdowns last week. Only one all season for the Bears. Regan, do you think Palmetto Ridge can turn it around maybe and kind of sneak one on homecoming against the Sharks?
2: Oh, well, Palmetto Ridge in the pick segment has kind of been my downfall this year. I love Chris Token in the coach. I just this isn't their year. This really isn't their year. And Anytime Gulf Coast comes up, I want to talk about quarterback Connor Barrett.
1: Yeah, yeah, you were right at the beginning of the year. I'll give you credit, man. He uh he has been something for just a freshman. He has looked good.
2: Yeah, he's thrown for seven hundred and twenty one yards this year, three three touchdowns, eight interceptions, but he's a freshman. I mean right, it's gonna happen. I I mean, I thought that he was gonna be great. I, all the Canterbury coaches told me he was gonna be great, and it looks like he's proving me right so far. I think he's got a great career ahead of him, and I think he's going to pick up a win against Palmetto Ridge.
1: Well, what I do want to mention uh, with Gulf Coast is their running game. Last year they had a, one running back running for like 1,300 yards. This year it's been split up. You know, a couple of weeks ago they had two guys, Jeremy Tattis, Carl Yarbo, both go over 100 yards. That was two weeks ago, I'm sorry. Last week against Riverdale, they do it again. They have a, a completely different back go for 100 yards. name is escaping me right now, but it was Mikhail Lewis. So, and Connor Barrett rushed for 100 yards. So the past two weeks, they've had four guys go over 100 yards. So their offense is flowing right now. But when we come back, Adam Regan sat down with Fort Myers coach Sam Siriani Jr. to talk about this big Dunbar matchup, and we'll have that when we come back.
0: For the most in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, Go to naplesnews.com and news press.com. Follow us on Instagram at newspresssports Sports and NDN Prep On Twitter, NPHS Sports and NDN underscore Prep Zone, or download
2: our apps. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. And for our coach's interview this week, I'm joined by Fort Myers coach Sam Siriani Jr. They've got a big game, district game actually, against Dunbar. That's new this year. Sammy, how are you, man?
3: Good, Adam. You know, getting ready for, you know, this is a week that the kids and the community always target as one of those must-see events. This is the week that you makes it fun and worthwhile and uh, easy to get them up as a coach. It's it's kind of like I said, in the coaching player, it's the ones that give you a little adrenaline rush. So it's a little more pep in everybody's step this week.
2: Sam, before I get into the Dunbar questions, I got a couple questions about the last couple weeks. But it's a celebration at halftime this week of the 1975 team, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was a little before your time at Fort Myers High, but what do you remember about that team that your dad coached?
3: Well, it was right in the middle of my water boy days. Uh, I was in junior high, just starting junior high. In those days, when you're that age, all the, you know, in those days of five, four or five high schools, maybe even less, four high schools, you know, those high school kids were larger than life. So, I mean, those were names and people I got to know through the years. That team I remember for a lot of reasons. One, it was a very good team, obviously, led by some real high profile Fort Myers players uh, that went on to you know the three captains alone of course rodney brooks you know was southwest florida player of the year went on played to university of florida and then taylor timmons who the people in the community especially the dunbar community taylor was like a mythical figure you know he was a big burly strong just the nicest guy in the world but just was you know the first kind of superhero you know had the nickname goo goo rock and uh uh, went on to play at the University of Miami and then he in the third captain which many people don't know named Dwayne Dewey <laughs> went on to LSU in a different craft as a catcher and I believe he just made their all-century team. The other thing I remember about that year of course the reason we're honoring him uh, kind of thought it'd be a nice theme it was really the, the state of Florida went to districts in the early 70s there and it was the first real you know even though there were some really good teams in the 50s and and my dad had a couple teams in the early 70s that were very good. It was the first district championship team. It was the first team that qualified for the state playoffs, you know, in the new system. And, and the last thing I remember about that team is I was actually playing Pop Warner at the time for the, that time, the Fort Myers Rebel. We were in Atlanta, Georgia, playing a football game, and I didn't get to see the game playoff game. It was heartbreaking. We lost to Haines City in overtime, 8-7, to seven, and they went on to the state finals. A lot of good memories of that team. Really one of our better teams here that my dad had, and kind of what if that team could have, could have maybe had a nice run.
2: You hit a couple speed bumps early in the season. You lose to Charlotte, lose to Cypress Lake, but this seems like it's been a different team over the last couple of weeks. What is different about it, and what are you guys attributing your success to?
3: When you do this as long as I've done it, you always think you've seen it all, you know, in terms of how such a long journey from really when you start lifting those weights in January and then of course spring ball and we don't really get to rebuild here whether we are or not people always think that the expectations internally don't change but this year we had some good athletes coming back we had a we had a nice season last year one that you know kind of what ifs you know I think we were nine and three and we had a lot of young areas and uh, even though I was quietly optimistic that we could be at uh, one time a possibly good football team we opened the parachute at the, beginning of the year and it didn't open. You know, we just were everything that could go wrong went wrong and and not making any excuses. Just couldn't put my finger on what the pulse of the football team was. And in the same time, we were going through a lot of the festivities of the 100 years and it was a beautiful ceremony and a beautiful time for Fort Myers, the community. And I think that we a little bit as a football team got caught up in it, maybe lost our edge, maybe read a few press clippings. You know, then you throw on it some injuries and other adversities. You know, like Wasaias and and to be honest with you, a schedule that was pretty stout right out of the blocks. I mean, if you take even Sebring, which was a very good opening test, even though by no means was I satisfied with the brand of football we played in the two losses. I mean, those two football teams, you know, each have one loss. We didn't lose to bad football teams, but the way we played was was totally unacceptable. I mean, we Charlotte, we just got ambushed. You know, turned the ball over. I can't even remember. We turned the ball over, I think, getting off the school bus. And uh, you can't do that up there to a good football team. And then probably, uh, and again, uh, you know, I love Richie, and I'm happy for his success. When you're playing him, I root for him nine times, so I'm very happy for him and what he's doing there. That game probably was the turning point. Maybe we had to hit a little bit of rock bottom, and that's taken nothing away from them that night. You know, we were short-handed. no excuses. Uh, we just played poor football. We played losing football, turned the ball over, didn't score in the red zone, gave up four balls over our head. And the next thing you know, you're in a game that goes down to the last play. And uh, we kind of got what we deserved. I mean, I hate to say it, but that's kind of where we were. I think the district starting, getting Sias back, we were able to reload. Kind of a cleansing and a start over. And obviously, the North game seemed to be the turning point. It it, it was going to be kind of a make or break situation because it was the start of the district. We made it into a a seven-game season uh, with six district games right in a row. First half of the North game was that perfect storm. One of those things that clearly were not, whatever the score was, better than North. It was we played a really good half. Things went south for them like you can in this crazy game but it gave our kids some confidence. And even though we haven't played consistent football even the last two weeks, we're starting to show flashes. The one thing we have done And through those two tough weeks is I think our kids at least now find a way to handle adversity. Started in the South game, it was so eerie to the Cypress game that we left them hanging around a game. Unlike week three, you know, in week five, we played our best football when our backs were to the wall. Last week, we got off to a really good start. I mean, I'm very impressed with the Progress Island Coast had made. They scared me, kind of a trap game between North, South and Dunbar. You know, our first five, six minutes of the game, we played as clean as we could play and Darn if we didn't let a trick play get over our head, and next thing you know. But we did play a good first half. I think it was 33-6, to and, you know, I have to have something to complain about. I wasn't satisfied, obviously, with the intensity level, and, you know, we did sub freely in the second half, but we didn't play very good football. But we needed a rude awakening, and sometimes, you know, you never like to lose. You never like to put yourself in that situation, but we really had to get our backs to the wall, basically restart. We just rebooted and uh, got three district wins under our belt, and uh, it leads us to, obviously, a big showdown this week that really clarif- start to clarify this district in terms of where it's going to end up
2: and you face a Dunbar team that's had your guys number the last couple of years but you you're used to playing them at the end of the season why has Dunbar really gotten the better of you the last couple of years
3: first of all a good football team I mean both teams in the last three years were always playoff teams all three were you know one score games that they beat they they beat us up pretty good last year physically last year they lined up and put the hand the ball in Seneca's hands and just lined up and just shortened the game and really last year was one where the better team won that night and no question asked uh for whatever reason we didn't play good football that night or good enough football they were better than us the other two years were were down to the wire games that you know ifs and buts are candy and nuts I mean um 16 uh you know because we had had a big run of four or five in a row and and uh 16. I remember with that was the that was a good football team for us. Darian, Felix, and Dawson Degroot, and then we went over. I think we had a couple score lead and squandered it. And they 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 uh, it was a great win for them, and uh, they they beat us at the end. And then the next year, I know we turned the darn ball over a hundred times. I was watching it this morning actually, um, and and had many chances. So the, the you know these games, uh, take last year out of the equation. They just they just outplayed us and beat us. But these games, except for a few, we had a couple where, you know, where we kind of, you know, had control from the get-go, and theirs last year. They've all been pretty close games, and they – I know it's cliche, but they're going to turn on turnovers. They're going to turn on – both teams have playmakers, so who's going to make the big play? You know, who's going to protect the ball? Who's going to have the big kicking game, good or bad? Um You know they've just uh you know like I said frustratingly yeah you know they have and I'm sure our senior class I mean uh what's been happened what's happened last three years doesn't mean anything you know in in except to our kids you know that you know they want to leave here they don't want to be the only class to leave here and lost four times to them and uh but again i mean it's it's when you play good football teams you have those ebbs and flows i can remember a 70 streak where north won five in a row against us and over the years i think they've only won 12 or 13 so one time i think this streak was you know we were 7 and pretty much every year controlling the game and uh it's a credit to them you know they're doing a good job as their school's gotten bigger they've you know they've uh, uh and sammy's done a great job and uh You know, it is what it is. Hopefully, like I said, uh, I don't think it'll have any bearing, uh, you know, other than the – I don't think our kids won't be confident. I know they're going to want to go out there and and, and get that win. But I think both teams will believe that uh, they have what it takes to win this game, which is who plays better football.
2: Last question for you, Sammy. Obviously, you guys are celebrating 100 years of Fort Myers football, and your family has been involved with this football program for the better part of five, six decades – How can you describe to us what Fort Myers High School, your alma mater, one that you played for and coached for as an assistant and as a head coach, one that your father was an assistant and a head coach, what has that meant to your family to be a part of this program for as long as you have?
3: You probably can't put into words you know how fortunate you feel you know there's so many things that you look back and say what if in life and but the dominoes and the stars all aligned oh, my dad how they mom and dad found this place originally in 1959 on their, their honeymoon and came down and, and then went back home to West Virginia so to speak and just the perfect storm the perfect circumstance uh, led him back here you know at that time when you know very easily we probably with our family at that time there uh i don't think it was something that was like you know a goal or destination it just the stars aligned you know i don't know if anybody knows this i mean my dad actually came down to interview for the cypress lake job just opening and why he was here you know again in those days no cell phones no social media uh, the word was he was down here and at the same time my sister was going through some health issues with the cold weather and so once we got here, I'm the beneficiary, me, you know, me and my sister and all the rest of our family that my mom and dad just decided that this would be home and I, my dad had plenty of opportunities to go on and do other things. You know, I'm so blessed and fortunate that he didn't. I mean, from the time I was 5 years old, you know, I I even, you know, when you look at the fact that, you know, all but 4 or 5 years of my whole life I got to be a part of this. I mean, even again, back in the days as the water boy or just, you know, going to school across the street at Edison Park, I just don't know any different. And I had a few opportunities to do other things, but I really couldn't see myself uh, I mean, this was home to me, even though, like I said, I mean I you know, our roots are up north in West Virginia but for me and and the rest of my family like I said, I just am thankful that my dad and mom decided you know, for stability purposes they made their roots here and uh, and then everything, you know, like I said, stars and dominoes have to line up. I, I was fortunate to be in a great situation under my dad, even through the heartache of his passing. He had already put the foundation in place. We had a wonderful continuity of staff. It was a very easy transition. On my way. we couldn't ask for an easier, better transition and flattering to get to take things he had done and continue to do you know what we've always been built to do in our family i guess is, is be around kids and coach and uh, be around a game we love
2: well sammy thanks so much for joining us on the inside southwest florida football podcast and we wish you guys the best of luck against dunbar this week
3: uh thank you adam and thanks for everything y'all do for uh, prep sport hopefully it should be a really good ball game i hope everybody comes out and sees it
2: and when we come back on the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, Adam Fisher and I will pick this Dunbar Fort Myers game and nine others. We'll be right back.
0: For the most in depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to naplesnews.com and news press.com. Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. On Twitter, NPHS Sports and NDN underscore Prep Zone, or download our apps.
1: Welcome back, everybody! It's our favorite time of the program—it's picks time—and I got big news, guys. I had a great week last week. I'm not doing so hot this season. I am over 500, but I went eight and two. That's very impressive, don't you think, Regan?
2: I think it is very impressive, yeah.
1: Okay, thanks. So I went eight and two last week and that's all there there was that happened. So
2: N- nope, that's that's not all at all. Well actually. what else? What else? Well I <laughs> went eight and two too. So you're still nine Dang. games.
1: Dang. I thought I picked up a game on you, but I'm still down nine games with how many weeks? Five regular oh, season well, weeks let's, left? Let's run down the records. Okay. I
2: am forty four and sixteen and that's pretty impressive. You were 35-25, and 25, just not as impressive. as You're me. right,
1: but I think, what was it, like eight or nine of those losses were when Andy Sotogren set in for me? Is that what happened? Five of those losses, yes. Dang, wow, <laughs> that's more than I thought. Um, well, let's get to it. I'm going to pick up a, a couple games this week. I can already tell, starting with Dunbar at Fort Myers. We broke it down for you. Going to be a fun
2: game, but who's going to win, Adam? I got burned the last time I picked Fort Myers against Fort Myers. At Fort Myers, so I'm not going to do it again. Dunbar's had a pretty good run, and I think you might take them. Actually, Uh, they've pretty much owned Fort Myers the last three years. But I am going to take the Green Wave.
1: And you are right. I might take Dunbar, but I also might not. And I'm not going to. I'm going to take Fort Myers as well. Baron Collier at Cypress Lake, another one I think will be pretty close, pretty fun. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, first I want to ask you about your strategy for the pick segment. The last yes couple weeks of the season you've been kind of trying to pick the opposite of me and that really hasn't worked for you have are you gonna change it up a little bit
1: I'm gonna try that anytime I think it's gonna be close but I really do think Fort Myers should win that fairly easily um I don't know I'm gonna kind of feel it out I'm going off the cuff on this one I don't have a strategy planned out we'll see what happens starting with this game because I really don't know who I'm gonna pick and it might be just the opposite of you so Baron Collier at Cypress Lake
2: so I guess I'm going first on this one I'm gonna go with Baron Collier I think they're a strong team. I think they're a stronger team than Cypress Lake. I think Cypress Lake's going to make a few mistakes in this game and give it to the Cougars and keep the Cougars' season really alive here.
1: Listen, Barron's coming off a loss. They're going to be fired up. Cypress Lake has not played a very tough schedule, so I also will take the Cougars.
2: Fair enough. South Fort Myers at Ida Baker. you got an Ida Baker team that is coming off a 47-7 to loss to North Fort Myers last week. They were not ready for primetime. Coach Chuck Fawcett even said so after the game. He says, we were not ready. I asked him, why weren't you ready? Yeah. He put it on him and the coaching said, that's set. on me, uh, he, typical yep, exa- Bill Kramer style. Exactly. i got to do a better job coaching. I- exactly. <laughs> i got to do a better job coaching. So Ida Baker not ready for primetime, and this is another primetime game. I'm going to go with South Fort Myers.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. We have not picked differently yet. I just think South has more athletes, more speed than Baker does. Um, back down to my neck of the woods. Call your county. Golf Coast at Palmetto Ridge. I think we're kind of in agreement here. You know, Palmetto Ridge is struggling this year and Golf Coast on a roll. Are we both taking the Sharks?
2: Yeah, I already made my pick in the in – the- Second segment where I said it's not Palmetto Ridge's year, and it's not going to be their week this week either, so give me the Sharks. Okay. Riverdale at Golden Gate, a game I think can be close as well.
1: Both teams coming off a loss. Golden Gate hoping to get back on track after a good start to the year. Who do you think wins this one?
2: I've got 16 losses in this pick segment, and most of them have come – when I picked Palmetto Ridge and Riverdale. Mm. So I am going to try to right that wrong. I'm going to go with Golden Gate.
1: Man, I think I'm picking with you know my brain, not just trying to go against you, because I want to make some different picks, but I really do think Golden Gate is going to win this one as well. So we are the same. Through five games. Let's see. Cardinal Mooney at Bishop Verro. I don't know much about Cardinal Mooney this year, but they are traditionally are very good.
2: Bishop Verro undefeated. I will tell you a little bit about Cardinal Mooney before you Please make your do. pick. Because, yes... Cardinal Mooney is 2-4 and four on the season. But their last two losses came against Class 2A's number one team, Lakeland Victory Christian, where they blew a 20-point lead. Yikes. So, And then you have a loss to Clearwater Christian, 29-26. So this is obviously a team that's playing those really good private schools, and they're pl- and they're hanging with them. They're going to play another really good private yep. school this week. It's a big rivalry game. The Diocese of Venice, uh, they get all up for this game. Last year, Cardinal Mooney beat Bishop Verreau in the season opener. So with that information, who are you picking?
1: Uh, I'm going to let you pick first. <laughs>
2: so it seems like I'm going to be picking first every single time for the rest of the season. That's right. you got the home field advantage. i got to give you a chance to get back in this one. I'm going to go with Bishop varro They've just been way too impressive. I don't know if they're going to shut out Cardinal Mooney, though. I mean, I know our Bishop Verreau listeners probably won't want to hear that, um, and most of them do listen, but I don't think you guys are going to shut out Cardinal Mooney, but I think you're going to win this game. I think you're going to move to 6-0.
1: Well, our Bishop Burrow listeners definitely are not going to want to hear this. I'm picking Cardinal Mooney, just to be different.
2: Did I convince you with... uh, You did,
1: yes, with the the strength of schedule argument. Speaking of strength of schedule, two teams that uh, have not done so well, Bonita Springs at Astero. Man, Astero, it's been a... We talk about tough seasons, man. They've dealt with so many injuries and... Lost so many people. Bonita Springs, a first-year program, though they kind of hope to do a little bit better than they have. Um, gosh, this is this is a very tough one.
2: Jaws versus Claws is what they're calling they this call rivalry this? game. Yeah, I
1: guess this is kind of rivalry, that South Lee County. Absolutely this yeah. is a rivalry game. I mean, half Only of Bonita Springs apart.
2: schools come from the Estero You're right, you know, yep. area. So I'm not going to pick Bonita Springs until they win a game. So I'm going to go with Estero. I'm not sure. I think this is going to be a close game. I just thought this is a revenge game
1: for Coach Rich Dombrowski after he was kicked out of Estero. I'm joking, of course, he left Estero on his own volition. Is that right? He went to Immokalee. Um, So he's very familiar. And because of that, he's going to be extra fired up. I'm taking the Bull Sharks. I'm taking the Jaws. Clewiston at Immokalee, the Harvest Bowl. Um, Immokalee looking pretty good And they've got a handful of winnable games coming up A handful of home games They get to stay at home for the next few weeks I'm just going to hop right in and take the Indians
2: I'm going to take the Indians too I don't know why you picked first on this, on this I just one. felt
1: like it Like I said, I'm, I'm going off the cuff here I'm freestyling
2: I, I don't think Clouston's a great team this year So I'm going to stick with Immokalee at Immokalee It served me well last week
1: more Haven at Oasis is
2: Oasis still undefeated? Am I correct? Oasis on that? is five and zero. Oh, My goodness! And their goodness. schedule really starts to pick up steam. I was going to starting
1: say, this week. More Haven, a very very Morehaven, tough team. You are going to let me pick first. I am going to let you pick first.
2: I am going to go with More Haven in this one.
1: Okay, good.
2: I don't really. I don't, because, well, because Moorhaven.
1: Moorhaven's always good. They always got athletes. They're only a 2 A school, but we know them. They're from, you know, the, the muck bowl in there near Lake Okeechobee, and gritty guys, fast, athletic, and Oasis, you know, is kind of new on the scene. So I'm going to take Moorhaven as well. Uh, a game we talk about schedules picking up steam. First Baptist has some tough ones coming up, including a game in a couple weeks against Moorhaven. They host St. Petersburg Catholic, who I don't think has a great record this year, but, again, another traditionally strong small school team. It is a long road trip. First Baptist five and zero. Do they stay undefeated?
2: I was told that St. Petersburg Catholic is not that bad of a team. I mean, they played All a right. tough schedule, so I think if they're a worthy opponent for undefeated First Baptist. I'm just not going to pick against First Baptist. I know you're a guy that picks against teams on long road trips, though.
1: I do. I. I typically do and i don't know the experience level of st petersburg catholics this will be the first really big game for fba i guess unless you count week one when they played ecs um but i will you know take the team that has a a ton of momentum right now first baptist i pick them to move to six and oh so there you go guys keep an eye on cardinal mooney at bishop vero and bonita springs at estero i guess we varied on both those picks come back next week when i will be have picked up two games on Adam Regan. And as always, come back Friday nights to naplesnews.com slash prepzone, news com slash sports. We'll have all the coverage of every single game, and we'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida football podcast will be available for download every Thursday at noon to get you ready for the coming week's games.